The Start. On Demand. On Demand. Greg Mackling on behalf of the vacationing Brett McGarry and Loren McNabb. It's the start on demand. This morning we talk Montreal Canadiens. The Habs are on the verge of returning to the Stanley Cup final for the first time since 1993. We also got some insight with regard to what we were anticipating, which by the time you hear this podcast will have turned into new public health orders. We looked ahead to that, and we also visited with the mayor. I apologize to the mayor for my passion about a certain topic. If you stick around, you hear what that is. Thanks for stopping by. It is the Start On Demand. Let's get right down to business. Happy Hump Day. It's a Wednesday. I think, Loren McNabb, can you confirm the day of the week? I have lost complete track of time and days and weeks uh, this year. I think uh, many of us have. There have been several times. It used to be a thing that would happen once or twice a year where you would convince yourself it was Friday and it was Thursday. Well, I've had multiple weeks in a row where I'm booking segments that we have regularly, like our small town salute that airs tomorrow, 737 on Thursdays. I booked it for the wrong day a couple weeks in a row now because I don't know where I'm living or what I'm doing or what's coming and going. So sure, it's Wednesday. And Wednesday, we're going to get into this more a bit in our next segment, Greg. But I think people are hopeful, nervous, wondering what's coming today when it relates to our possible slow reopening of Manitoba. And so if you're a business owner, you got your fingers crossed for all sorts of things. If you work in the ICU, you might be saying just, you know, slow your roll. And if you're somewhere in the middle, you want to see some good things happen, but you, man, you don't want, want that yo-yo effect. So here we go. Here we go indeed. And uh, my wife works in the food service uh, industry and they are waiting with bated breath because out West, as uh, she said last night, in Alberta, they went from zero to 100. I said, uh-uh. In Alberta, they go from zero to 110 <laughs> because yeah. 110 is the maximum on just about every highway. And she said, yeah, you're right. Zero to 110 in Alberta in the last several weeks. The same is happening in Saskatchewan to a lesser extent, British Columbia. So we know there are businesses in Manitoba who cannot wait to hear what the province has to say, what public health officials have to say about what's next in regard to restrictions. So we'll talk about that, as you mentioned, the in just a few moments in our next segment, but we also want to talk about hockey. Please. It appears as though the Montreal Canadiens, uh, who many had pegged, including myself, as being uh, swept by the Vegas Golden Knights following their game one loss. Well, guess what? They've completely flipped the script on the hockey world and are one game, one win away from the Stanley Cup final with a big win in Vegas last night. Yeah, it's that was a huge win because I think, you know, that's a, what you would see as kind of that momentum shift. They've they've been riding that slow train faster and faster, it seems, as they, they get down the tracks into this series, so to speak, and it, every game seems to show you something a little different. I mean, man, we know Carey Price, what a special individual he is. Every time you watch him play, you think, can this kid get any better? And then he does. But, yeah, a 4-1 win last night. And, you know, I'll be honest, this is where our family parked our vote 
for our NHL team in between Jets 1.0 and 2.0. So we have Habs fans in our house. My mom was texting last night because um, I think at the start of the game last night, they were showing a bit of the um, Bruins game that uh, against the Canadians just to lead up with the last time the, there was this big sort of uh, hope for Canadians to get to the finals. My mom remembers series from like the, I think it's the 70s, I want to say, or 60s. And so there's just all these people who have this long storied history with the Canadians that might be super pumped that they have something to look forward to this week. And so here we are. I'm using it as another excuse, Greg, that I can't stay my deck until the Canadians advance to the Stanley Cup final. It used to be that I'm not going to do it until the Jets win, but you know, Rules can change. Well, rules change all the time, especially in these COVID times. So I like your sliding rule of rules. And the uh, intent to get that deck finally stained, I think, is good. It it sounds as though you're modifying the rules to get it done sooner rather than later. So I give you a gold star for that if I'm allowed to do so. And, you know, you mentioned Carey Price and the word kid. Yeah, he's a kid to us, but he's a seasoned veteran in the National Hockey League. And it is the kids that are getting it done for the Montreal Canadiens, they've got a group of young players, uh, all under 20, that are doing amazing things, scoring opportune goals, big goals for the Canadiens. So we'll take a look at uh, last night's game and what the future may hold for the Canadiens and for Canadian hockey fans as we make our way through the morning. And uh, coming up this morning, just after 8 o'clock, Mayor Brian Bowman will join us. We typically don't like to give him too much of a heads up as to what we're going to ask him, but if he's doing his homework and listening, Listening to us, maybe we can uh, give him a little bit of a hint along with our listeners as to what we'll be discussing. Well, who would have thought a plan to open some of the streets to Winnipeg uh, to cyclists and active transportation and pedestrians? You know, this plan that they really expanded last year mid-COVID to kind of give people more spaces to walk and exercise and all the rest. This plan has been super successful, but also in one Winnipeg neighborhood, River Heights, kind of controversial. It's really divided people on Wellington Crescent as to what they think about all this extra traffic on the street. And it's not just road traffic. We're talking all the bikes and and people walking and using those wider open spaces to sort of get out there. Well, we know there was letters sent to counselors a few weeks ago saying hey can, this program is is kind of a bother like it's causing all sorts of issues whether it be that it slows them down to get access on and off their streets some people have suggested it's led to more crime and then another petition has gone around this week saying no 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 we like this open streets plan keep it and so there was a vote at epc last week to shorten the program it's supposed to go to november on wellington they shortened it to september but that goes to a council vote tomorrow so we're going to ask the mayor about that. Who gets the say? Do the, do the citizens get this much of a say? Should it really just be about what's best for overall Winnipeg versus just that neighborhood? And what does it say, Greg, really overall? I mean, there's clearly a demand to put more people on bikes, get more people walking, get more people out there if we're seeing this kind of uptake on this open street program. But who wins and loses as a result? So that's one of the questions we're going to ask the mayor. The Montreal Canadiens are one win away from making their first Stanley Cup Finals appearance since the team claimed their last Stanley Cup and Canada's last Cup way back in 1993. Should the Canadiens make their way to the Finals, Loren, it would mark the first appearance for a Canadian team since the Vancouver Canucks lost in seven games to the Boston Bruins back in 2011. 
So the Canadians, of course, dispatched the Winnipeg Jets in four straight games in the North Division final. And I think there were many people after that that said, okay, here we go. There's not really much of a chance for a Habs in this series with Vegas. That was the presumption that whatever team came out of the Jets-Canadian series would simply be fodder for the Golden Knights. Well, Greg, as former New York Jets head coach Herm Edwards once said, Ah, where is Herm Edwards? Where are you, Herm? Here you are. This is what's great about sports. This is what the greatest thing about sports is. You play to win the game. That's right. Does it get any simpler than that, Greg? You play to win the game, and here we are with this great underdog story. Yeah, and who doesn't like that? The drama of sport. Chuck LaFleche is a lifelong Montreal Canadiens fan. We spoke to him prior to the start of the North Division final between the Jets and Canadiens and asked him about that series and what it was going to be like for him. And Chuck, you said that either way you're happy. Well, you must be pretty happy right now, even with one more win to go. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's, been, a, it's been a fun ride. And, uh, you know, without... Uh, Overstating it, everybody's comparing this to '93. There's a lot of similarities, and you know, a crazy off the charts goaltender. It was it was Patrick Roy in '93. It's uh, it's Price this year, and then a, that nice blend of veterans. You had Bellows and Kirk Muller in '93 with a bunch of kids. And uh, there's uh, last night three guys who scored were 20, 20, and 21 years old, average age of 20.33, and the other guy was 36. <laughs> and Eric Stahl. So it's a really interesting blend of old and young, and it's hard to defend when I was thinking of it last night. You know, there's a lot of cliches when we got to play as a team, and they're really, really playing as a team, which is tough to tough to counter because you can't really shut down one or two people. So it's uh, it's been fun to watch. Well, it's been fun to watch, I think, even for people who aren't these uh, lifelong Canadians fans. But I am a fan of this next person we're going to talk about, Chuck. And I just, you know... We're asking a very serious question this morning. Fortier, please hit it. Chuck, the question people are asking is, where does Celine Dion's heart beat now? She's, Golden Knights are trolling Canadians with an image of Celine Dion in a Vegas uniform. And many have asked where her loyalties lie over the years. What do you think about this? How can this be, Chuck? <laughs> we lost Celine when she moved to Vegas. <laughs> The only memory I have of Celine is uh, when the Montreal Canadiens, uh, the forum shut down, I bought a seat from the forum, and I was on hold for three hours, and during those three hours, it was Celine Dion singing, and they were, and they were pumping up a, a, a concert for her in Montreal. So I ended up buying two tickets and uh, bringing my wife to see Celine. So that was an expensive phone call. <laughs> <laughs> didn't you didn't you buy blue bomber tickets blue bomber season tickets back in 2011 to make sure your ticket master account was working as you waited for jet season tickets in 2011 yeah it's i i, I have made very expensive use of my waiting time <laughs> Fantastic. So game six coming up tomorrow night back in Montreal. Uh, obviously, the party will be off the chart should the Canadiens uh, win. Well, what do you think they need to do? And, and what does it mean for hockey in Canada in general should they manage to do so? Well, I think it's, again, 93. It's a long time to have a Canadian team uh, win. And so, uh, yeah, again, by the way, Thursday is St. Jean-Baptiste Day, which is like a crazy yeah. Uh, national <laughs> holiday for Quebec, the Quebec people, and and actually French Canadians across uh, North America. I know in Le Brocri, they make they always party hardy when it's uh, Saint Jean Baptiste Day. So it's uh, it's it's going to be interesting. Again, I think it's back to the team thing. You've got you know you have the stoic uh, 
mummy-like uh, price just sitting there. He seems to hardly move. And uh, and that it's it's again it's the guys but uh, you know again we're one you, you saw what uh, what uh, Tampa Bay did the other night with eight nothing like if those guys turn it on like I looked at, I looked at the standings uh, from the year I think I think Vegas was like forty two and fourteen or something and and the Canadians were like three games above five hundred so it's it's such a head game right now so if they uh, and then there's the quasi goalie controversy you almost have to go back with the big guy. Uh, next game, what do you think, Greg? Yeah, Robin Leonard, uh, who went into Montreal in one game four or four mm-hmm. for Vegas. Uh, I, I, that boy, that would be a roll of the dice on many, many levels. Do you want to take Mark Andre Fleury out of the net when he goes going back to Quebec? Uh, maybe you do. I, I think that'll be one of the big topics of conversation heading into Game Six for sure. We'll uh, maybe catch up with you next week, uh, depending on what happens here, Charlie. We appreciate the insight, <laughs> as always, my friend. Okie dokie. Keep up good work, guys. All right. Chuck LaFleche, lifelong Montreal Canadiens fan, proud Winnipegger, bringing us the insight into... And responding the... to texts at 5.45 in the morning after a later game. So. Oh. Uh, well, you know, he texts me sometimes at 3.30, so uh, oh, turn, turn about is fair play. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so last night, as we just mentioned, Celine Dion pictured on the scoreboard at T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, donned in Vegas Golden Knights gear. Not a jersey, but a helmet. And makeup done up to be, to present Celine as a Vegas Golden Knights super fan to a certain extent. I think they were just trolling the Montreal Canadiens fans in the building and eventually on social media. The Montreal Gazette is screaming sacrilege uh, that uh, Celine is a traitor of all <laughs> things. So, I mean, it's not on the same level as uh, seeing Chris Jericho in a New York Rangers jersey like we did last year, although there was a very good excuse for that. Uh, Chris's dad, Ted Irvin, uh, played for the New York Rangers, so Chris was uh, off the hook on that one. But we're talking this morning about our favorite Canadians, most impactful on a world stage. It's fairly wide open here. And how about this incredible scene to set it up as part of the final episodes of How I Met Your Mother, Barney's surprise Canada-themed skating party rehearsal dinner for Robin. I can't believe you did all of this. I thought you didn't like Canada. Are you kidding? I love Canada. Holy muskox, is that legendary Canadian Dr. Frederick Banting? In 1924, I discovered insulin. Take that, diabetes. But look, it's Manitoba's native son, Norman Brakey. You're welcome, world. Enjoy my invention, the paint roller. <laughs> and of course, you know Alan Thick. Hey, you are the prettiest girl in the place. Oh, thank you, Alan. All right, all right, all right. Good to see you. Hey, look, it's Louise Poirier, who I think worked for the company that probably created Wonder Bra. Wonder Bra, bien personne. Oh, that go. Okay. Okay. Canadians also helped win two world wars and gave the world Neil Young, William Shatner, Leonard Cohen, Pamela Anderson, one quarter of Barney Stinson, instant mashed potatoes, and best of all, you. So romantic. Robin Shabotsky, of course, a Canadian. So we're going to go around the horn here. Jeff Braun, Jeffrey Fortune, Cameron Poitras, myself, Greg Mackling, and Loren McNabb, your favorite, most impactful Canadians, whether they're quote-unquote traitors or not. Why don't we start with you, Loren, for a change? Well, I think he might 
be considered by some to be a trader because he's lived so long in the States. He, because we're working off a hockey theme, there's a, I thought briefly about maybe one of uh, a terrific Canadian author like Margaret Atwood. And there's all, of course, like Chris Hatfield. There's all so many people who've done great things, but I'm a huge Wayne Gretzky fan. Uh, uh, yeah, and I've I, got a clip that uh, I've dropped into the wheel. Uh, he, come on. He's <laughs> the greatest of all time. Yeah, even she, when I know, he, I know. Even when he does nonsense like this. <laughs> and this is uh, Wayne out of our Edmonton operation. Sure could use some of your class around home, Nikki. <laughs> Thank you. Um, are you just visiting, Mister? Call me Wayne. Everybody. <laughs> okay, Wayne Gretzky. Come on, Stellar. he has more goals and assists than any other NHL player in history. His wine is average. His clothing line at the Bay is average. His acting is below average. But man, heck of a hockey player, and he's still a pretty decent ambassador for Canada when he wants to be. Okay, if you say so, <laughs> Jeff Braun. Uh, the, the soap opera actors felt like Oscar winners that day, I'm sure. Like, they didn't often get to feel like the greatest actors in it, whatever room full of actors they were in until Wayne showed up. You he was hear, also one of the legendarily can, uh, horrible Saturday Night Live hosts. Oh, that's Although right. I think I, you I could hear that. Wayne asking them basically to move the cue card so he could read it. <laughs> oh, Nikki. Yes, Nikki. Yeah. My name's oh, say Wayne. her name. I forgot to say her name. <laughs> um. I chose Brian Adams. I don't know that he's the greatest Canadian or anything like that. I think he is sort of underrated. I've been listening to like Brian Adams' greatest hits lately, and he has a staggering number of just really solid meat and potatoes kind of rock songs. And uh, I think we kind of take Brian Adams for granted. I'd like to see him uh, in concert uh, before he retires someday. Mm. I endorse your uh, your proposal, Jeff Braun. I'll come to that show with you. Cam Poitras. Well, I, I couldn't pick between two, but uh, so here we go. Got to go with William Shatner, Captain Kirk, greatest uh, TV character of all time. I will fight anybody on that. Uh, just, uh, I just, I, I love, I love the original series of Star Trek. I'm not really big in the other ones, but that one, and and then I had to go with this. Captain, how soon can you land? I can't tell. You can tell me I'm a doctor. <laughs> no, I mean I'm just not sure. But can't you take a guess? Well, not for another two hours. You can't take a guess for another two hours? Uh, Leslie Nielsen uh, spent <laughs> a lot of time in the Canadian North, born in Regina, other time in Edmonton, but, uh, you know, Airplane, probably, you know, one of the best comedies of all time. And is just, he was a serious actor. Like, I was watching the... Um, the the uh, uh, the the Poseidon adventure. He plays like a uh, uh, the captain of the ship. He's just a normal actor at that time. And then they the, those guys found him, the Zucker Zucker and Abraham, and they knew he was comedy gold. Surely, surely you must be joking. Yes, <laughs> don't call me Shirley. How about you, Jeff Forche? Um, you know what? It, it, this one was hard. Like you know, who do you pick? Keanu Reeves? Do you pick? Uh, oh, I don't know. I, I, I went with this guy. Radio. <laughs> Who needs the radio? Ready, Harry? <laughs> Mock. Yeah. Ing. Yeah. Bird. Bird. Yeah. 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 Mock. 
fucking bird. Oh, well, that's dumb and dumber. But Jim Carrey, you know, just uh, growing up with him, I loved his comedy. So uh, it, it, it stuck with me, and I just had to pick somebody who puts a smile on my face. Absolutely love. Actually, all your choices except Lorenz. 204-780-6868. Your most you imp- love Young and the Restless. I deliberately <laughs> tried to skew it to your favor. That's yeah. like one of your favorite shows. It was a grade A attempt to get me on the Wayne Gretzky train, <laughs> but uh, I'm not getting that ticket punched. Sorry, Loren. find out, uh, as you mentioned, Loren, what comes next, what comes next for Manitobans, and uh, in particular, I think uh, business owners who might be uh, sitting at the edge of their seat this morning. Yes, of course, many waiting with bated breath, including our next guest, Jeremy Regan, owner of Hunter and Gun Barbershop. Good morning, Jeremy. Hey, guys. Good morning. How are you doing today? We're good. You sound upbeat. How are you feeling as we wait the next few hours for what might be happening over the next few days? Well, I had a wonderful sleep last night, so I feel rested and I'm raring to go. Any trepidation, Jeremy? Uh, yeah, of course there is. There's, um, you know, I'm a little bit worried. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. They ex- the, the health conditions expire um, on Friday at midnight. So hopefully we have the weekend booked at the shop and, you know, next week is crazy. And we're hoping that we're going to be able to get out cut some hair, see our clients, listen to uh, what they've been up to for the last couple of months and, and get it going again. Um, do I think it's going to happen? I don't know. I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. Uh, it's hard to tell. Um, you know, they, they had the, the reopening conditions of reading the vaccine goals and we've reached them. And, uh, you know, the last week, um, Dr. Rusin seemed to walk that back a couple of times. So we'll see what happens. We're hopeful. We're fingers crossed. You have to be a different person to be an entrepreneur in the first place to go out on your own, Jeremy. So just talk about that roller coaster you've been on for the last several months and the the idea that now here you sit really at the precipice potentially of being able to get your business back open or it's going to be a, a several week wait before you can do that. How do you, how do you manage all that, not only personally, but as a family guy? Um, how do I manage it? Well, uh, when my, when I told my late mother that I was going to open a barbershop, she said I was absolutely crazy and I should have stayed in university, but you know, her, her dear old soul is looking down upon me now with some pride, I'm sure. Um, you know, the first wave that we had, I think everyone was on board and it gave us some time to see exactly what was going to happen with, with this virus. And we built up a lot of data and, you know, I don't feel like they've shared all the data as they were supposed to. Um, but, you know, in my in my little barbershop, we didn't have any transmission of COVID and we kept everything safe and we went above and beyond taking precautions to keep people safe. So I think that, you know, what an entrepreneur has done, uh, my friends in the restaurant business investing in plastic barriers and, you know, keeping spacing and stuff, um, you know, the people that have probably carried the burden of being shut down have probably put the most effort into it. So, you know, hopefully they see that. Hopefully they recognize it. And hopefully we're, you know, we're, 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 we're ready to go. So hopefully they give us the okay. Jeremy, when we talked to you a few weeks ago, the burden was so heavy on your shoulders that you were considering a plan to what you had hoped would be within the rules to maybe go to people's lawns and cut their hair. That plan was kibosh, but it highlighted the desperation many businesses must be feeling so 
couple weeks later, how have you managed to sort of keep things afloat, so to speak? Um, well, I'm golfing a lot. Golf game's not getting better, but um, I don't know. We, we, you know, we, we, we're trying our best, right? So, uh, you, you know, my plan, I, which I didn't know or think was illegal, was shut down pretty immediately. I guess I ruffled some feathers in some some people who make the decisions and they decided that that was wasn't allowed i i had probably a couple of thousand people reach out and support or wanting to get a haircut so it was definitely a popular thing i couldn't do it and you know like it's been hard i'll, I'll be honest like money isn't flowing into the the household like it like it usually is so so we're doing our best to save coupons and you know, do our best to not go into too much debt. Um, yesterday was a little bit disappointing because when they announced that they were going to be talking about the bridge grant, me and some colleagues and friends were online with each other and kind of talking about, hey, this could help, this could help. And, of course, that was, you know, there was nothing that really was done for us. Um, so I'm, I'm, I may be looking at that as a sign of, you know, we will be able to reopen and, and hopefully it's on Saturday. You know, if they if they put us back for another week or another couple of weeks, I mean that's that's a few thousand dollars again that will be out of our pocket, and it's a few thousand dollars that um, we need pretty desperately right now. Well, in this, in spite of all that, we can hear the optimism in your voice. I agree with Loren on that. And Jeremy, we we appreciate you being so open and forthright about what you've been experiencing, not only the last several weeks, but over the last several months and the last year and a half. Thanks for being so free and open with your with your thoughts. And uh, we have our fingers crossed for you uh, in any regard. We we appreciate your time. Well, and and I said this last time, but, um, you know, the platform you guys have give us the voice to get it out to people who may not understand exactly how this is working, um, especially if they're still working. So it's really, really appreciated that you guys go to people like me and get our voice out there because we don't have any other platform to do that. So we appreciate it, and I appreciate it very much, and I thank you kindly, guys. City Council meets tomorrow. One of the items many are closely watching is the Open Streets program. There are 13 streets where traffic is restricted to allow for more cycling, walking, active transportation. That program is supposed to run until November. However, one particular street uh, has Winnipegers divided over just how well it's working. We say good morning to the mayor of Winnipeg, Brian Woolman. Good morning, mayor. Good morning. How are you guys doing? We're doing all right. So some people who live on Wellington Crescent say it's created all sorts of problems. And so at an EPC meeting last week, there was a vote to end the Open Streets program on Wellington early. But other residents and those who use the streets stay, it should stay open. Where is that at? And, and what's your feeling on it? Yeah, it'd be, it'd be so much easier if everyone agreed on these topics. But, you know, the reality is uh, the local councillor as well as council as a whole are, are doing uh, their best to navigate temporary measures during the pandemic. And one of the measures that uh, we've implemented uh, are these, uh, these cycling routes that are in place right now uh, citywide and including on, on Wellington Crescent. And so uh, what we uh, have and will continue to do is really to, to navigate um, as best we can on, on some of these temporary measures. And I want to thank everybody. We, we had a lot of people come out to our, our committee meeting and we anticipate we'll hear more from others tomorrow at, at council. And 
I just want to thank everybody for, for giving us the feedback. I mean, that's the point of a pilot is to gather that feedback so we can make responsible decisions uh, that are temporary in nature. You, you've used the word temporary a few times, uh, Mr. Mayor, and of course, pilot as well. And there's lots of people who would argue that this has shown the success of opening up our streets and, and slowing down the traffic and allowing for more cycling. So what's at play here? Is this really about, you know, maybe just the, the nature of cyclists and motorists not getting along, drivers not getting along? Or is this about a more affluent neighborhood not wanting this traffic and, and trying to insert its weight at City Hall? Well, I, look, I mean, the, the affluence of a community, to me, is, is less relevant. Uh, people are entitled to their views, regardless of how high or, or lower their, their property tax bill is. And, you know, we welcome the, the input from, from local residents. Um, I mean, these, these are temporary measures right now. There is absolutely um, a, a discussion that we continue to have about uh, really increasing active transportation amenities. That's going to continue, and we welcome that. We've made major strides forward we got more work to do in terms of building more active transportation amenities. But I think through some of the discussion that we've heard, um, there were some that, that thought these measures were permanent. And so um, I think, you know, you've reported on it, and I'm, I'm, I'm reminding everybody right now these are, these are temporary. But there's going to be discussions going forward citywide about what features did we introduce during the pandemic that makes sense going forward. But we got to get the feedback because there are there – are, legitimate concerns that people are raising that we need to make sure that we're listening and we're mindful of going forward. But right now, you know, these amenities are available to help with increased, um, you know, public spaces where people can go cycling. There's also, of course, our parks and other open spaces. And I think right now, especially on a day like today where, where people can get out and enjoy some fresh air, it's good for your physical health good for your mental health and we want to support that lots of winnipeggers who would love the opportunity to commute via bicycle for however many days of the year that might be why do we continue to see major road work being done ellis avenue about three years ago selkirk avenue two or three summers ago salter street right now is being completely rebuilt watt street last year mayor bowman and none of these thoroughfares have any active transportation attached to them why is that well, you, you missed out all the ones that have been been added. As I don't. Well. I'm not I mean, worried about the ones that have been added, Mayor, Mayor Bowman. We're worried well, about the gonna, ones that aren't being added. Why? Why isn't this sure, part Greg, of if the I plan? I could just answer the question. That would well, be great. Well, I would. Uh, I would like you to do that. Okay. Well, uh, I'll, I'll I'll do that. So, there's a lot of amenities that we've been adding to to the city. Um, they're all being done in the context of the the pedestrian and cycling strategies that was uh, that was brought forward to council, supported in 2015, and the, that strategy really tries to build those linkages throughout our community. And we're building those pieces. In many cases, I think playing catch up to other cities. And so, you know, whether it's the downtown active transportation amenities, like the dedicated routes that are that are downtown, not not uncontroversial, um, but supported by council and myself as well as, as other amenities. And so what they do, though, is when, when we look at implementing it on, a, on an annual basis, what our traffic engineers are looking at is they're looking at the physical infrastructure and where can it support uh, that plan, but also where can it reasonably facilitate uh, those active transportation amenities? Because you got to look at, obviously, things like the width of the current road, whether there are existing sidewalks, those sorts of things. And so on some of the streets you've mentioned, I'm aware that the, the, the narrowness of the streets um, doesn't necessarily support the kind of dedicated amenities that 
that I know you you continue to advocate for, and I respect that. Um, there are other streets in in proximity in some cases where those dedicated routes are put in. And so again, I would just encourage people if they have if they have questions, look at the look at the overarching plans. They're all they're all available um, on the on the uh, the city website where people can see where where we're going in that general direction. I'm going to leave the next question to Greg because we had a texter, Greg, sure. that uh, wrote in about just the Bishop Grandin renaming uh, Mr. Bowman, and uh, Greg wanted to read that text to you now. Yeah, and and it, once again, hey, I pre- I appreciate where you're coming from on all this stuff, Mayor Bowman. Bishop Grandin, this is going to obviously yeah. come up. You've mentioned it's going to come up. One of our listeners suggested Dale Howarchuk way. I'm not asking you for uh, to endorse that here on the air. I know that would be impossible for you to do, but lots of incredible suggestions as an alternate name. Where is the process in terms of making a decision and perhaps hopefully making a change? Yeah, I mean, uh, Executive Policy Committee voted to support the name change, and and I want to thank all of the Winnipeggers that that have been weighing in on this. I think with what we've seen in Kamloops, um, it really uh, it really rocked uh, Canadians, um, and and fortunately, we've already begun on the process of looking at place names in our community through the Welcoming Winnipeg Committee. This is the first initiative of its kind that we're aware of in the entire country, and so. We've, uh, we've already started that process. With regards to Bishop Grandin, um, what we've done is rather than making um, a decision at City Hall without really robust input from Indigenous peoples in our community, we paused, we've gone to our Indigenous Relations Division, and they've been tasked to have dialogue with residential school survivors, elders, knowledge keepers, and others in our community, including Indigenous governments, for input about what a new name should be. And we want that to be Indigenous-led. That name will then be brought forward to Council, and then Council will have that decision of changing the name. And, um, you know, we've we've never done this sort of consultation in this way before with Indigenous people, and I think it's important. I think it's important we learn from uh, the mistakes of, of the past, and this is one of the ways in which we're trying to remedy that. So a lot of Winnipeggers have weighed in on that particular name, um, I support the change, and um, we're trying to just move it forward in a thoughtful way. Well, I appreciate you appreciating my passion and uh, never meant as disrespect, <laughs> yeah. Mayor Bowman. I hope you know that. Yeah, always, absolutely. As we've been asking you this morning to give us your most prominent Canadians, those with an impact, you'll be very surprised, well, not surprised, to learn that many people are suggesting the 34th greatest Canadian of all time, Hal Anderson. Wow, good morning. Am I really getting some votes? Some votes. I'm starting to wonder if you have put out a message to all (laughs) the the Hal Anderson nation to inundate Mm. us with these text messages. No. The love is flowing for you, Hallie. Well, isn't that nice? I wondered if you were texting in as Robert, Jonathan, Alex, Sandy, Bob. I was like, does he have like 19 different cell phones? No, I'm kidding, Al. It's a great shout out to you. And of course, we're just having some fun with that because Celine Dion's pitcher was at the Habs game in Vegas last night wearing a yeah. Vegas uniform. So, uh, of course, the Canadians nation and people in Quebec are calling her a traitor. So we wanted mm-hmm. to ask about greatest Canadians. And here you are. Yeah, 34th greatest Canadian of all time. Uh, and a poll done by the CBC, right? So, I mean, you know, they could have very easily said, this is ridiculous and left me off. I give them credit for 
for leaving me on uh, that poll. And Trust yes, me, that, they that... said it was ridiculous, and they're not the <laughs> oh, only no, ones. Oh, no, I know they did. <laughs> yes, I know they did. But it, you know what it speaks to? It speaks to, um, you know, the people that at that point listen to me on Power 97, fans and votes, voting, you know, matters. I mean, there, there's many ways to look at it. But, yeah, the Celine Dion thing, I can understand why uh, – Boy, some people are upset about that. Can I just uh, let you know that today is Pink Flamingo Day? Good morning, Transcona. Yes, yes I'm, I'm looking at you. Hi, National Bird of Transcona. Uh, the Walsh Twins and uh, the George out there and what else? The DQ on Day Street and, oh, my goodness, God's country, Transcona. So it's Pink Flamingo Day. Can I just say that at 11 o'clock today we're expecting, you know, we're going to hear from uh, Premier Pallister and Dr. Roos. And, and, by the way, today's normal 12.30 vaccine news conference, vaccine update is being moved to tomorrow. So tomorrow at 12.30. So I'll have a full show, 12.30 uh, to 3 today, no interruptions. But can I just say, because there's people on all sides of what we'll hear at 11 today, I just hope they make the right decision, you know, um, because this is this is difficult. And I'll have a reaction on my show from, from many people, including Chuck Davidson, the head of the Manitoba Chambers of Commerce, and Tony Sawicki, uh, the uh, president of the board of the Restaurant Association. So we'll see what we hear. We'll find out what we get at 11, and then let's, as I said, just hope it's the right decision. Two-thirds of us guys um, want to become more organized after the pandemic. Hmm. Why are the we past waiting? Year, the past year is right, but the past year has turned us into hoarders. And I thought of you, Greg, because you have really been doing a lot around your house. No, not you're not a hoarder. Uh, I'm a hoarder. Uh, 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 you, have you been in Greg's garage? I know he cleaned it out in this pandemic, so that's mm. been one of the gifts. But there was a lot of stuff in there, Hal. He's been doing a lot of work. I'm telling you, I, I think I've become this incredible procrastinator, worse than ever. And I think all through this, I've just thought, yeah, I'll get to that. I've got time. I'll, I'll get to that. I'll get... And now I've got a mess. So I'm not surprised to see this sur- survey, Loren, that says two-thirds of us uh, are, like our homes are, we, we bought uh, money, uh, spent money on things for our kitchen, cooking utensils. Mm-hmm. That's number one at 30%. Home decor, 30%. Personal care products, 27%. We're a mess. We want to get organized. Oh, I, I can I can hear this. I can feel this. There's been all sorts of different things that I've promised to do and, and in some cases have got done. But kind of like the exercise weight loss thing that's been this up and down yo-yo for many of us over this pandemic. Oh, I'm going to use it. I'll exercise, mm-hmm. get fit. Now it keeps going on. Now I'm fat again. Fit, fat, fit, fat. Well, it's the same with the clutter. And I find right now I can't make a decision to save my life on the most simplest of things, let alone things that I need to buy from the home or, and so I, I keep putting it off and it could yeah. be something as simple as I need to clean that drawer. I need yeah. to clean the storage room. I need to get that darn deck stained. Like I don't want to do it. How's that drywall mm-hmm. coming in the garage, McNabb? It's still not done. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, we're painting it now. The drywall's <laughs> done, but it just, the things just seem to be, you keep thinking, well, I've got time and now we're emerging out the other side of this pandemic, we hope. And you're like, oh boy, time is running out. That's a good point. I think the, the clock is ticking on a bunch of different things, Hal. Yeah, um, this is a good idea. I think I hope the boss is listening because some big companies are giving their worldwide staff a week of paid vacation just to say thanks for your efforts during the pandemic. Dating app Bumble has done it. Hootsuite, the social media management platform, is shutting down the company for a whole week during Wellness Week in July. I kind of like this idea if you've, you know, made it through the pandemic. And again, we'll see what they say at 11 o'clock today. Hopefully we're getting close to the end of this. 
I think that's a great way to reward your staff. There have been so many people who have been working from home, and Loren, I'm going to tip my cap to you because I heard you discussing this last week, just this whole idea that you've been sort of constantly at work and you've had to segregate yourself uh, on two different levels, right? You have a place where you're doing your work downstairs, and it's and it's created this situation where you don't even want to go downstairs because it reminds you of work. And so the eight-hour workday for a lot of people has gone right out the window during this pandemic. And I think that's a wonderful way to acknowledge it. More than that, I think, Hal, and, and you can, we talked about this being working from home. I think working at mm-hmm. work has had its stresses, too, because all the different rules. And you're there today, Greg, and it's like, wear a mask, don't keep co- come contact with anyone, fill up the form every day before you come in. Those are all great things that our company has done to keep us safe. And I know so many workplaces are the same, but there's all these added boxes you have to tick. So there's just that mental stress. And then, Hal, like so many people I know haven't even wanted to think about vacation because you can't do anything while you're on mm-hmm. vacation. And sometimes, yeah. yes, you do those things things on vacation like Greg did last week where you do home repairs or fix your patio or all the rest. Well, I've had nothing but time at home to get those things done, and I don't want to think about it anymore. I want to hit the road, whether that be a two-hour trip or a 24-hour trip. Yeah, I like the idea. Give your, you know, if you can do it, give your staff a week off here. Extra vacation. Uh, thanks for the great job, but, but not everybody's going to be in a position to do that. But I kind of like that, and some big mm-hmm. companies are doing it. And then finally, the world's worst, best dad joke because they're all terrible right uh twitter did a contest and they have come up with the best dad joke ever in the entire planet would you like to hear it of course okay i once hired a limo but when it arrived the guy driving it walked off i said excuse me are are you not going to drive me the guy says that price doesn't include a driver and so i says you mean to tell me i spent all this money on a limo and i have nothing to show for it Oh, <laughs> I knew Loren. You know, I like it. I you knew Loren like... would like it. That's the the best dad joke according uh, to Twitter. And I'll just leave you with a quick one here. Health tip, everybody: force yourself to get up from your desk every half hour by becoming a smoker. Have a great Wednesday. first phase of reopening is on the horizon what's a one thing you would like to see return and this has moved into the lead now loren personal services like hair and nails just under 39 percent nothing we need to move slowly just under 25 percent and then it's a split between gathering indoors patio dining and kids sports so Hmm. you can uh, weigh in on that and while you're there you can visit the number one story on our website right now. The headline is this, Manitobans grapple with lost immunization records. What's the story there, McNabb? Well, this story comes from our web reporter, Alicia Dacey. She's going to join us at 9.35 for more, but we wanted to give our listeners a heads up and also ask them if they have any similar experiences because she's interviewed a few Manitobans that say they're considering getting a third COVID-19 vaccination because the province has, quote, lost their immunization records. And so, you know, you can go online right now to make sure that your name and your doses are uh, attached to your health card. You can visit that through Shared Health. And I actually went to look yesterday just because I got my second dose last Friday and I wanted to know how quickly it had updated. So that's available online. But of course, people are, once you get that second dose, two weeks after, you can apply for that card and also get that QR code to your phone. And there are a couple people who have had challenges getting that proof. One is up for his second dose, but says he can't get his second because he's not in the system as having his first. Mm -hmm. And then there's another one who uh, has had the 
same experience. Uh, she did already get her second dose, but there's no record of her first dose back March 29th. And so we'll chat with Alicia about that because those vaccine cards, Greg, we already know the premier said two weeks ago, if you have two doses, here's what's going to happen. You get to travel interprovincially. You can go west. You can go to where there's provinces that don't have those restrictions either. And you can come back without self-isolation requirements. But you have to have those two doses. Now, is anyone stopping you at the border to make sure you have that upon your return? I doubt it. But it allows you to come home, make that when they phone or someone maybe reports you, say they saw you out of town for two weeks or whatever might happen, you know, rest assured, you can go without any concerns about self-isolation upon return. The same thing is going to eventually happen for international travel. That card is going to become, whether you like it or not, this is where it's going. I'm curious now how people feel as we talk about reopening. What if, say, in the days and weeks ahead, there are other strings attached to that card, other places that they might say, yeah, you can go there, but show me the money, so to speak. Show me that card. What if it's a restaurant? What if they open up bars, Greg, and it becomes kind of like a carding thing in the weeks or months ahead, and that's one of the requirements. Here's the slope we're on. Some people have called it slippery. How do you feel about that? Yeah, at 7806868 on social media yesterday, lots of people showing off their physical cards that they'd received in the mail because they are fully vaccinated and have waited that two weeks. But now seeing an Alicia story and others on social media saying, hey, hold on, that's great that you have your card, but I've either A, uh, had my first vaccination and there's no record of it, or B, I'm having a hard time finding out where to get this card and people talking about being caught in a, in a loop of phone calls and inquiries between Manitoba Health, Shared Health and Health Links. So I know there are some of you out there listening this morning that, have been, that are in that boat. We'd love to hear from you. 780-6868. Sorry to hear that you're dealing with this because that could become something that we need to do. There may be businesses that say, yeah, we are open. However, in order to enter, we would like to see proof of your second vaccination, that you're fully vaccinated, and that you've waited that two-week period. Unfortunately, for those of you that don't like it, I can see it becoming a reality for a lot of different things, including travel, international travel. We know that immunization is something that we've had to do for yellow fever or other diseases and uh, infections that you have to, I mean, Loren, you've traveled around the world. I can guarantee, well, I'm going to guess, I don't want to guarantee anything without asking you, but I can guess that you've had to get vaccinations in order to travel in the past. Yes. And I, to be fair, I've never been asked upon entry to any country that I can recall anyway, because my memory might be fading from some of those trips 20 years ago. I don't recall being asked for it, but I still have with me a little passport of sorts. It's handwritten. It's got handwritten notes in it. It's yellow and it dates, you know, everything from, um, you mentioned yellow fever, there's tetanus, there's diphtheria, there's all sorts of things that you might have been required to have depending on perhaps where you're going in sub-Saharan Africa or other. But I, I don't remember ever being asked to prove that, but we're not, this is not unprecedented, this ask for a card, but it is going to be an increasing ask, I think, from different organizations. We talked last week about the fact that there was that uh, 
mandate from one of the theaters in New York that said, yeah, you can come to the Bruce Springsteen Broadway show, right. but prove that you've had two of the FDA approved a dose, doses. They walked that back a bit because then there was all these AstraZeneca folks who were left out because that vaccine wasn't approved in the States. They, they changed that, but they still asked people to show the vaccine. We had the Foo Fighters concert this week. Was it not a requirement for that? Absolutely it was. The headline, globalnews.ca, Manitobans grapple with, quote, lost immunization records. You can find that story at globalnews.ca, cgob.com, because all sorts of people are finding themselves in that category of lost immunization records. For more, we're joined now by Alicia Dacey, who is our senior online journalist. Good morning, Alicia. Good morning, folks. How are you? I'm well. I have to honestly admit, I don't know if I've ever looked for any of my health records in the past before. Not even sure if that was an option, but I ha- I did go looking as soon as I got that second dose to make sure at least that the doses were on the record and they were. But what are you hearing from Manitobans who, who feel like their information is kind of out in the ether? Well, the stories that you were saying before uh, from listeners texting in is very familiar. I talked to two Two people who have very similar stories, one person whose first dose is nowhere to be found and another person whose second dose is nowhere to be found. And if they call the vaccine line where you go to book your doses, the doses are there in the records, but they can't find them online. So it seems to be a technical glitch. And uh, this is starting to drive people very, very crazy. Well, you know, especially when you're seeing uh, people on social media, I know you've seen it, Alicia, people who have been showing off their hard copy of their cards, and we're hearing about people who have access to their QR codes. It, it, it feels as though it should be a fairly straightforward process. Do we know why we're running into this? What, do, what does the government have to say so far? Well, the government says that uh, they're aware of the problem. Um, there is an email that you can... Uh, I guess, contact, and that email is being overwhelmed and they are hiring more people. Uh, But it seems like the problem kind of originates where if anyone has been doing everything online, you know that you've had to create several accounts, uh, one for immunization, one for COVID records, one for uh, various things. So when you're dealing with two or three different systems, it seems like the systems aren't always talking to each other properly. Yeah, you make a good point. So just yesterday, for example, I was online double checking just the immunization records for my family. I haven't applied for that card yet in theory because I'm still not two weeks out, Alicia. And so I was surprised this morning when I then went on to look at the process for the immunization card. It was two different passwords. So for example, for past test results and to find out if my records were recorded, I had a different login and different password. And then when I went this morning to try to see if, oh, I'm just curious how the QR code works and what the process is like, it was a different logon, login and I had to re-register to get a different password. So the systems aren't even connected, which it would be one issue that I think has to get sorted because I tried three times before I realized, oh, hey, they're different programs. Well, and part of the problem there too is that if you enter your number in wrong or you enter your name in wrong Mm -hmm. and it's happened Mm -hmm. um you can't be found um my husband actually went through exactly that same thing and we had quite the time trying to get that sorted out so what's the answer here, Alicia? Is it, is it patience? Uh, are we going to, you know, I'm just hearing from a listener right now, my first dose was not on my record. I called numerous numbers before finally 
being able to speak to someone. Uh, the woman that uh, helped me was very helpful and said she would look into it in about a week's time. It did show up. I'm grateful it worked well for me. I'm just asking who this listener spoke with and, and which department because I'm seeing this circular sort of pointing of fingers uh, in particular on social media, shared health. No, they're saying health link. So do we know who the actual organization is responsible for clearing up this mess so that we don't have to call 37 different numbers? <laughs> well, that's a good question. It's a question I haven't been able to get a complete answer to because it depends on the problem and it depends where the problem is originating. Uh-huh. So some of it is the province and some of it is shared health. There is an email address. I'm just going to read it out loud. It's COVID immunization records information at gov.mb.ca, which is not an easy email address. That's one that you can send to get some information. It is up on our website if you want to find that for it. Okay, so again, that's COVID immunization records information at gov.mb.ca, but probably just your best bet is to head to our website for the story, alicia at globalnews.ca or cjob.com, just so we understand at the very least. I, I will say the process to apply itself seems pretty easy. Yes, Shared Health has my information, for example, on which doses I took, which dates, what the vaccines were. Mm-hmm. But everyone is telling us that once you go to that website, if you just even Google immunization card, it's quite you get it, you get that QR code quite quickly. It takes just a matter of seconds. The issue becomes if you're not in the system, then you might have some to spend some time figuring out where everything sits. Absolutely. And that seems to be the problem. All right. Alicia Dacey, senior online journalist for globalnews.ca. Thank you for this. Thanks, folks. Take care. Now, a comment or a question that, that maybe doesn't have an answer. But now, all of a sudden, here's another example, Loren, of the people who are doing the right thing, getting their immunizations, and they're having to jump through all these hoops. They're having to do all these things in order to get information that should be automatically accessible to them. And I understand this is brand new. There's been a learning curve on so many things with regard to COVID-19, and I suppose it isn't unreasonable to imagine that digital and online and, and, and IT systems aren't they're not flawless. We know that. But this is obviously brand new. But one more source of, of frustration for people who are trying to do the right thing. Well, because I think there are people who now are making plans. Plans might be travel related. And so, again, the rule is now, according to the premier, that you don't have to self-isolate as long as you've had those two doses. Again, you're not likely to be asked that at, you know, driving across the Saskatchewan border or into Ontario, but you never know, that might happen. You might be asked for it when you enter a hotel or restaurant in another province. Who knows what other provinces are doing? And so for people who are now trying to imagine, you know, uh, this 4321 great summer, you need that one card for two doses on it. And that's, that's going to be increasingly part of the equation part of the questions people will have as to how to get that car to make sure they have it. And again, to your point, we do need to have some patience. It was just announced a few weeks ago. They're, they're trying to get this out. I will say it's frustrating to me that, that there's two different logins and two different password systems and all the rest. I don't know why that would be, but here we are. We've never been here before. So we're, they're trying to sort that out, but I think the patience 
becomes part of the problem when people are trying to make plans based around these cards. Yeah, and I think we're going to have to see at some point some consideration uh, going back to Jack's text message uh, for people who don't necessarily have the technology, don't have the wherewithal, don't have the time, the patience to, to get to the bottom of this if they're going to be asked to present these cards and have done the things required in order to secure them. How do we make sure that they get into the hands of people that need them? I, I think there's a whole other list. Surprise, surprise. There's a whole other list of things that we need to get to the bottom of. And, and what about people in other countries? Barb just texted to say, what about those who might have got their shots in the States? There were people who who were already down south or went down south uh, ahead of that second wave or in and around then. Might have been vaccinated down there. Might have been vaccinated in another country for work. We had the truckers go across the border to North Dakota. I believe in that case, they were taking our health cards in that circumstance. So there's all sorts of outlying questions for people who are just looking to have that proof. Never a dull day. Never a dull moment in these COVID times. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.